Would you name that place in your heart where you most need the hope of God today? Where you most need his word of encouragement and strength and victory and hope. Now would you ask him to help you to experience that hope, to feel that hope, to hear that word of hope, to put it into your mind and your heart, to leave today more filled with the hope of Christ and Christmas than you were when the day started. Would you ask him for that gift even this morning? Father, that's my prayer as well. So grateful for the hope we have in Christ, the hope we have in the one whose resurrection is ours, whose life is ours, whose hope is our hope. Show us how to make that our hope today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so good to see you today. So glad to be with you this Christmas season, rejoicing in all the good things God's doing. David and Kelly's little granddaughter we prayed for in the hospital last week is out of the hospital this week. Praise God. Prayed for Mike and Sheila's grandson, Banks, who was in ICU last week and is now home. God is good, and we are grateful. He is indeed a God of hope, isn't he? So, if I'm asking you this morning to list for me symbols of Christmas, I'll bet you this guy shows up pretty fast, right? And not just here in the United States. He's kind of a celebrity around the world. In the UK, he is Father Christmas. That's what he looks like over there. If you're in Russia, then he's Father Frost, usually accompanied by Snow Maiden. Rather odd, but, you know, that's how they do it in Russia. If you were in the Netherlands, he would be Sinterklaas, would be his name. Well, not to be outdone... Our redneck friends have come up with their own Santa Clauses. Not surprising. Here would be, in their version, Santa and his reindeer. See how that works? You know? Not sure how much mobility they provide, but you know he's got his four-wheeler there. And here he is without his reindeer. There you go. That's a more fun way to be Santa. And here might be Santa in his preferred transportation. I don't know. And if you're looking for a redneck Santa for your mantelpiece, there you go. Locked and loaded, ready to go. And here is Santa doing what he should do more of, don't you think? Don't we all need Santa to do more of that? Probably not. Well, another symbol of Christmas that you may not be as familiar with as Santa Claus, but nonetheless something we're seeing in more and more churches these days, is the Christmas wreath and the candles. Of Christmas. I didn't grow up in a, well, I didn't grow up in a church at all, but when I started going to church, we didn't have this more liturgical tradition, but more and more churches are doing this. I think it's a wonderful thing. They light a different candle each Sunday during the Advent season, and there are different ways of doing this. Some will say the first candle is the candle of prophecy, and then today would be Bethlehem, next week would be the shepherd's candle, the week after that would be the angel's candle is one way to do it. Another way, the way I've kind of been thinking about it thematically is it's faith and then hope, and then love, and then Christ. That's out of 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, hope, love. Well, we're not lighting candles here. We're not going to burn the chapel down. But I'm thinking in those terms these days. Last week would have been the candle of faith. Remember last Sunday as the uh, Omicron vaccine or variant is just becoming the news and all the fears and the concern about all of that. And so last week we claimed the I am of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. We claim that I am. We've been in the I am's of Jesus uh, in this season. So we claim that as a statement of faith. Today we're claiming the second candle, as it were, the candle of hope. And Jesus, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. What I'd like to do is take that I am together with Santa Claus and think about hope. And if you're wondering how all that goes together, well, so am I, but we'll see how it all turns out. And so as we think about hope in the context of Santa Claus and John 14, 6, again, please have in mind the place where you most need hope today. And then a second question, what would have to happen for Jesus to be more the source of your hope than he has ever been? What would need to happen for him to be even more the source of your hope than he's ever been? So let's talk about hope for just a second. Here's how Webster defines hope. To cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. Well, the definition makes it clear that hope requires a thing. Hope isn't just a feeling. It doesn't have status unto itself, you know. Your cars out there are your cars whether you're in them or not. This chapel's a chapel whether anyone's in here or not. Well, hope's not like that. Hope's not just a feeling. You have to have hope in something. Just like love is not just a feeling. You have to be in love with someone. You have to love something. Friendship's not just a generic thing. How much does friendship weigh? What color is friendship? It has to be friendship directed as a person. So your hope has to have a source. And the critical part is that it be the right source, not the wrong source. You can take the wrong medicine sincerely and still die. You can turn the wrong way sincerely and still be lost. The key is the right source of hope, right? Well, we were made to need hope. We were made like that. Psychologists say that hope has been documented psychologically to provide greater happiness, better academic achievement, lowered risk of death, resilience against anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, chemical benefits, endorphins, lowered stress levels. Hope is a good thing. It's a good thing. So how do we get more hope, you might ask? Well, this is Charles Snyder. He passed away now, but uh, one of the foremost psychologists of hope has uh, authored a number of books, most specifically The Psychology of Hope. And in it, I thought this was really interesting when I found it this week, he identifies the three components of hope, three things you have to have, goals, agency, pathway. So to have hope, first thing you need is a goal outside yourself. You're hoping for a new job. You're hoping to see your grandchildren at Christmas. Your hope has to have an object, like we said. It can't just be hope generically. It has to be a hope in something. You have to have a goal outside yourself. Second, you have to have agency and ability to bring it about. I could have the hope of meeting the Queen of England next week, but I have no agency to bring that about. So my hope is not much of a hope. I don't really have hope without an agency, without the ability to bring it about, and then the pathway to do so. I have to have the ability to do it and a plan or a a pathway, a way, a strategy of doing it. That's what you need to have genuine hope. could illustrate it in kind of a negative way with the coronavirus pandemic. So a year ago, couldn't have chapel. A year ago, remember, quarantine, all of that. Hope was that we would survive the virus. And then came along vaccines, and so now we have agency, a vaccine that can protect us from death, we hope, 
from the virus and a pathway inability to get it. And you had to have all three. You could have a vaccine, but if it costs $2 billion, you don't have a pathway. If you have to go to Tibet to get it, you don't have a pathway. You have to have all three. And now we have all three, and so we've got hope. And now things are opening up, and we're kind of getting back to a new normal, and everything's looking so much better. And then this Omicron variant comes along, and at least initially, we don't know. Maybe the vaccines won't work against it. Maybe the antibodies won't work against it. Maybe we have to start over again, and everything falls down, and we lose our hope. And now we're hearing, at least in the medical journals I'm following, we're hearing the possibility. I'm no expert. I'm not saying this is true. It's just a possibility. Early stage, that maybe the Omicron variant is more communicable than even the Delta, but less severe. And maybe, 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 enough people will get it and yet survive because it's not severe, that the population will be inoculated and a pandemic will turn into an endemic and it will just be more like the flu and Omicron would be a pathway toward that. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Don't know. Too soon. I'm no medical expert here. But how did you feel when I said that? How did you feel when I said, maybe this variant could turn a pandemic into the flu? How did you feel? Well, that's hope. That's hope. If you have a goal and agency and pathway. Now, what does that have to do with Santa Claus? Well, Santa Claus is an expert in hope. He knows all about hope. Now, I want to go on record here at the very beginning. I'm a big fan of Santa, okay? I think St. Nick is awesome. I am so grateful to him for leaving the North Pole every Christmas Eve and coming out and visiting all of us and bringing us presents. I am, I'm on his side. Wherever Santa is, I want to be there. I vote for Santa. I'm with Santa. And Santa gets this stuff. He understands hope. He understands that you have a goal. You have stuff you want, right? You want something for Christmas. That's your goal. And so now you have agency. You can write Santa a letter. You can visit him at the mall. You can, you know, and communicate with Santa. And then you can be good because you got to be good. Sorry, guys, you got to be good to get stuff from Santa. I know that's discouraging for some of you. You still have a little time, a couple weeks. Got to be good. And then there's a pathway. Santa's going to come. He's going to visit you, and he's going to bring you what you wanted. He, he's going to fulfill your goal. As long as you do your agency part, he'll do his pathway part. And that's how it works with Santa, right? And not just Santa. That's how the culture works. That's how your job works. That's how education works. You have a goal to graduate, and the agency is you study hard, hopefully, and then the pathway is that you convert this diploma, and then the thing that happens on the other side. Or you work harder in order to get ahead, or you exercise to be in better shape, or you do what people want you to do so that you'll be more popular with people. Our culture works just like Santa. We have kind of a Santified transactional culture. It's how we get our hope here. It's how hope gets fulfilled in our culture. It's kind of a Santified culture, if you will. John 14, 6 works very differently. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He's making three declarative statements. I, emphatic in the Greek, am right now, not I was, not I will be, not I could be. I am the definite article, the way, and the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father. I am the truth of the Father. I convey the life of the Father. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm it. Unless you missed it, 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, most of the time, apologists, offenders of the faith like me, will spend the rest of our morning talking with you about why that is true, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. We've talked about that in the past. I absolutely believe that's clearly a defensible statement. I absolutely believe that's true. But today, let's think about it on the other side. Jesus says, no one can, comes to the Father except by me. What that means is everyone can come to the Father by him. Everyone can through Jesus. Every one of us can find the way and know the truth and experience the life through Jesus. Everyone can. That is unique about Christianity, one of the many things unique about the Christian faith. Every person on the planet could experience this right now if they would. By contrast, don't mean this unkindly, it's just a fact, if one wishes to experience the Muslim version of a relationship with Allah and eternal life in paradise, as that's understood, then you got to know the five pillars of Islam, and you have to be obedient to these, and you have to give your life to this obedience with no absolute assurance, no security that when you die, you absolutely will be in heaven with Allah. Muslims will tell you they have no absolute certainty. Even Muhammad is in heaven. Even in the Quran, that's a statement. That's no guarantee in Islam, and it's a works kind of righteousness. If it's Judaism, it's the 613 laws of Judaism. And as you know, we talk about Israel a lot. I love leading study tourists to Israel. That's the Western Wall, and those are orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Jews. And 613 laws by which to warrant a relationship with God. If it's Buddhism, it's the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Noble Path. If it's Hinduism, it's life of asceticism and multiple reincarnations, and it's all of this works that is required. It's a sanctification idea. You have the goal of a relationship with God or the gods or nirvana or moksha or whatever it is, and then you have your agency, the things you do by which you hope the religion provides a pathway, and it's a sanctification psychology. Whereas in Christianity, God comes to us. In Christianity, Jesus offers the way, the truth, and the life, and everyone can come to the Father by Him. That's what Christmas is all about. No other religion has a Christmas. No other religion would imagine the God of the universe becoming a helpless, defenseless, baby. Zeus would never do that. The Muslim Allah would never do that. Different Buddhist or Hindu versions of the gods would never do that, would never leave their throne in glory at the right hand of the Father and consent to be made into a fetus and be born as a defenseless baby to peasant parents in a feed trough and a cow stall. That's what Jesus did for us. Born for us, lived for us, died for us, rose for us, comes again for us. And now because of Jesus, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you essentially have two ways of doing Christmas this year. You can be sanctified or you can be sanctified. Just one little letter difference. You can go about your relationship with God in a sanctification way. 
Come to chapel on Sunday so God will bless you on Monday. Pray so God will bless your day. Give money so God will bless your money. Do your part so God does his part. God's kind of like Santa. You have these goals, and if you do what you're supposed to do, he'll do what you want him to do, and it's kind of this transaction. Or you can come to the Christ of Christmas. And you can come to him in humility and gratitude and experience the sanctification, the being made holy, transforming relationship Jesus died for you to have. So how does that work? We'll close with this. How to experience the true hope of Christmas this season. First of all, you accept his salvation by grace through faith. I always want to say that, just never want to assume that anybody in chapel on any Sunday maybe doesn't really understand that a relationship with Jesus isn't about coming to chapel. It's not about believing in God. It's not about trying hard to be good. It's about asking Jesus to forgive your mistakes and become your Lord. It's a personal relationship with God. If you're not sure you've done that, let me urge you to do that today. That's the first step. The Bible says, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. When you do that, when you trust Christ, when you ask Him to forgive your sins and failures and become your Lord, He begins the process of sanctifying you, of making you like Himself as the child of God. Starts there. Second, remove anything keeping you from being made more holy today than you were yesterday. Cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness or sanctification to completion in the fear of God. Anything in your life that's keeping God from making you more the person He wants you to be, we'll deal with that. Anything to confess, anything to do, anything to stop doing. Pretty regularly, I ask God that question. God, is there anything in my life that's displeasing you? And quite often, He answers the question. And a lot of the time, it's something I didn't even know I needed to hear. Holy Spirit's very good at helping us be holy if you'll take time to ask. I've mentioned this before, but occasionally a spiritual inventory is a good idea. Take a piece of paper, get a pen, get alone with God for just a few minutes. Say, Lord, bring to my mind anything I need to confess, anything needs to be made clean. Write on the paper what comes to your thoughts. Very specifically. No one's going to see the paper. Very specifically. Pray through that list, confessing, repenting, asking God's forgiveness. Then shred the list. Put it in a shredder. Tear it up and flush it. Don't clog your plumbing, but, you know, burn in the fireplace. Claim the forgiveness of God. Deal with anything that's keeping you from experiencing the holiness He intends for you. And then last, spend time in the sanctifying presence of Jesus this season, all season long. If I keep my statutes and do them, the Lord says, if we'll do that, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Praying in Bible study doesn't make you more holy. It positions you so God can make you more holy. Spending time with Jesus at Christmas. Starting the day by getting alone with Him. Read a psalm to Him. Read His Word. Thank Him for His goodness. Sing a hymn. Play a worship chorus. Connect in your heart with Jesus doesn't make you more holy. It positions you where Jesus can make you more holy. But that's what he wants for us this Christmas. That's what he intends for us. And I'll tell you what, these gifts, this gift of hope, is something the world can neither give nor take away. 
there are no supply chain problems with God. You know that? This hope is available to your next prayer. No supply chain issues here. No inflation issues here. It's never going to go up because it's free. No travel issues here. Virus restrictions, all of that, because God's as close as your knees. No Omicron variance fear here, because those who live and believe in Jesus shall never die. This is the hope that transcends hope, and is the hope of Christmas that's God's gift to you. But a gift has to be opened, has to be received, right? I'll close with this. I was thinking this week about my favorite presents from Santa Claus over all the years, and this came to mind immediately. Now, you agree, right? I mean, of all the cool presents in the history of cool presents, doesn't, doesn't that really have to be kind of at the top of the list? It's a Mattel Stallion Raleigh Chopper. I mean, wow, you know? I mean, is that just cooler than cool? Now, this wasn't last year, I will admit. It was a few years ago, but... Uh, I was in elementary school, and I would walk to James Butler Bonham Elementary School in Houston, Texas, and there was a kid that had one of these things, and he would always park it where the bikes were parked, and I would, I mean, I was coveting, you know, I mean, just flat-out coveting this stallion bicycle, and I wanted Santa to bring me a bicycle, a stallion bicycle, and that Christmas he did. Oh, my gosh. My brother got one, too. He didn't deserve it. I did. He didn't, but, you know. He just kind of trailed, traveling in my wake. But nonetheless, you know, stallion bicycles. I mean, cool stuff. The springs work. I mean, when you sit on that thing, it goes up and down. I mean, it's just, it's beyond awesome. And I rode that thing everywhere. I mean, I rode it, you know, a couple years, two or three years. Rode it everywhere. But then eventually I outgrew it. and to get a bigger bike. And then outgrew that kind of and actually got a car. You know, and now I have no idea what happened to it. I really would like to know. I found one online this week for $1,500. Man, I wish I had my old stallion bike. Wish Santa would bring me another one, you know. $1,500. What an awesome gift. But the greatest gift Santa gives can't begin to compare to that gift. When God gave himself. And now, what he wants from you is the same thing. He wants you. He's got everything else. What he wants is you. So let me urge you this Christmas season to claim the hope of Christmas. To spend time every day in the presence of the Christ of Christmas. To make the goal of your life an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. Because you have the agency. He's as close as your knees. And the pathway of grace is that he will receive all that you give. That's his promise to you today. You can be sanctified or you can be sanctified. But you can't do both. So let's pray and then we'll take the supper that is God's symbol of the hope he offers us today. Father God, I thank you for the hope we find only in Jesus. And I pray that because of your word today, we will across these weeks receive, experience, celebrate, share that hope. 
that our souls were made to need. And may this be a Christmas filled with faith, hope, and love. As a result, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the supper of our Lord...